Galatians chapter 4 and Acts chapter 15. All these young people look good on the front row. Everybody's young except for Brother Eric. You're annoying as ain't intelligent. Galatians 4, beginning at verse 8. Howbeit, then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather, are known of God. I like that. Or rather, are known of God. How turn ye again to the weak, the beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Now, down to go with me to Acts chapter 15 and verse 18. It says, Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Amen. I'm going to preach on this subject. Unknown to God, but known, or unknown to man. Sorry. Messed the whole thing up right at the beginning. Unknown to man, but known to God. Unknown to man, but known to God. Amen. Brother Chris, we pray for us. God, we're so grateful to be in your house today. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. And right now, Lord, we pray that you open the hearts of your people to hear your word today. God, speak to your house today. And I'm asking you in Jesus' name to respond to your word. Let this be a house of worship and a house of prayer. Jesus, wonderful name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Turn around to someone and tell them you're known to God. Unknown to man, but known to God. Unknown to man, but God knows. This past week, a very dear friend of mine came for a visit. We've been friends since the 90s. We ate together. I began to show him around Memphis. And uh, Brother Joe, this man is a former military man, so I decided to drive him by the Memphis National Cemetery. Memphis National Cemetery is a United States National Cemetery. It's located in the Nutbush area of this city. And I would highly recommend, if you can, you need to go by and experience this beautiful place. It encompasses 44.2 acres and has some 45,000 interments. There are a few notable men 
that have been buried there, notable graves. For instance, Medal of Honor winner or recipient, Private James H. Robinson is buried there. Winfield S. Cunningham, he was a United States Naval officer, was a recipient of the Navy Cross for action that he took at Wake Island. He's buried there. Former United States Representative George W. Grider, his remains are there. Ike Pearson, who's a notable Major League Baseball player, he's buried there at this cemetery. Of the thousands who are buried at the Memphis National Cemetery, most of them, by far most of them, have the names of the deceased on their stones, but not all of them. Most of them have their names engraved on those stones, but not every person that's buried there has their name engraved on a stone. Visitors to the cemetery will note several areas, especially in sections A, B, C, D, E, H, J, and K, wherein are government headstones and markers bearing no names at all. These are the graves of the unknown. There are some 8,866 of these unknowns. It is the second largest number of unknowns in any of the national cemeteries presently under the jurisdiction of the Department of Veterans Affairs. There is no name on these stones, but on some there is an epitaph. In World War I, the son of the famous English poet Rudyard Kipling was killed. His body was lost at the Battle of Luz. Rudyard Kipling, he's known for writing the Jungle Book. He was so disturbed at not knowing where his only son was buried. He was also disturbed by the many stones in the graveyard that bore no name, that he recommended an epitaph be put on these stones. And so many of the different governments, when a deceased unknown soldier was buried, had written on their stone this phrase, known to God. In other words, man may not know them. Man may not know their sacrifice. Man may not know their hard work. Man may not know their heart. But what is unknown to man is known to God. Now I feel like telling somebody in this room that man may not know about your sacrifice Man may not know about your hard work. Man may not know about your struggles. Man may not know about your heart. But what is unknown to man is very well known to God. God knows. God sees your struggles. God knows your pain. God knows what you've been through. God knows about your hurt. And man may 
unfavored and unknown or nameless people in the Bible, Brother Ellis, is actually a young man. His story can be found in John chapter 6. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus sent up into a mountain, or Jesus went up into a mountain. There he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh when Jesus was, when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him. He saith unto Philip, which shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Yeah. Philip answered him, two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? The setting here it is one that probably most of us have pictured in our mind at one point or another. There is a great multitude that has followed Jesus out into the wilderness because they saw his miracles. They were on their way to Jerusalem for the annual Passover celebration. And all of a sudden, when, when they began to look at this multitude, they began to realize that there was a lot of people that needed food, but there was nothing there to eat. And so Jesus, he turns around to Philip and he asked him, he says, where, where are we going to get food to feed these people? And, and, and Philip, it, it, look, look at verse six. I, I find this interesting. And this he said to prove him for he himself knew what he would do. How, Jesus, are we going to take care of these people? How, Jesus, are we going to get an answer? How, Jesus, are we going to make sure that everybody has something to eat? And evidently, Jesus is looking at them smiling, thinking, I know what's getting ready to happen. And if you realize what I'm getting ready to do, it would blow your mind. It had no answer for the provision that was needed. But what is unknown for man is known to God. I'm so Patrick, I know that because out of all the Bible says there was thousands that were there. Uh -huh. 
out of all the thousands that were there that day, that boy was blessed because he was the only one that had anything to eat. Yeah. Amen. He was a blessed boy. His mother probably had prepared a lunch for him. He was blessed. The thing was, though, is that boy had reached a point in his life where he had to, he had to ask himself a question. Am I going to be satisfied with the blessings that God has already given to me? Or am I going to turn it all over to Jesus so that he can work a miracle in my life? so strong. I feel like our church is in that same position right now. I'm telling you, this church is a blessed church. When I walk around this property and see what God has blessed us with, I know that this church is a blessed church. When I walk up in this auditorium and I see this beautiful auditorium, I realize that this church is a blessed church. When I What does that little church? 
the men sat down in number about 5,000. He doesn't say how many children were there. He doesn't say how many women were there. So there could have been 10 or 15,000 or 20,000 people that were there. We just know that there were thousands. And Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples. And the disciples to them that were sent down. And likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. When they were filled, he said, and his disciples gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore, they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remain over and above under them that had eaten. Because of this little boy, one of the greatest miracles ever recorded took place. But we don't even know what that little boy's name is. But the truth is, Noah, we don't really have to know that boy's name. Because what is unknown to man is very well known to our God. And uh, the world has happened, Noah, not me. But I want to see revival great God in my life. Bringing one 
sick of the palsy, which was born of four. Amen. Amen. Here's this house. It's packed out because Jesus is there. Jesus is preaching. There's so many people there that you can't even get through the door. Just so happens into this situation, there comes a stretcher. Amen. And there is one sick of the palsy, which being is being carried by four of his friends. They couldn't get to Jesus, though, because of the, the crowd. And so what they did is they took him up on the roof. <laughs> they began to tear whatever that roof was made of, whether it be thatch or whether it be clay. They began to tear at that roof because they figured it don't matter what it costs. We've just got to get to Jesus. It doesn't matter what people think of us. we just got to get to Jesus. It doesn't matter if we're popular or unpopular. we just got to get to Jesus. Because if I can get to Jesus, then I can get a miracle. If I can get to Jesus, then my family can get a miracle. If I can get to Jesus, then my friends can get a miracle. They make a hole know where Jesus was. He couldn't do it himself. Thank God for godly friends who know how to get to Jesus. But they lower him down there. Jesus looks at him and says, you know what? Your sins are forgiven. And some of the proper church folks in there, some of the, uh, the uh, I'll just say it like this. There were some people in there that didn't agree with how Jesus did things. Amen. Can I just preach to you a little bit that Jesus in word, if we agree with how he does things or not, he's just Jesus. He's just God in the flesh.
was not alone at Calvary. There on that cross, he was not by himself. According to the Bible, there were two other men who were crucified with him there at Golgotha. One of the two criminals, he sneered at Jesus. Just sneered at him. As they're hanging there in agony, he, he sneers at Jesus. Amen. Why don't you do something about this? If you're God, why don't you get me off of this cross? Why don't you get off? You say you're God. I think you're a joke. That's what he was saying. That's what one of those men said. But there was another man on the other side. He said, I rebuke you. You keep your mouth shut. I know I'm a criminal. I know. But friend, you're about to die. It's about time for you to start fearing God. It's about time for you to start worshiping God. You and me, we deserve to die on this cross. But he didn't deserve to be nailed to that old tree. Instead of raging against God, instead of blaming Christ, oh, friend, he begged him, would you please remember me? Would you remember? And Jesus told the man, I tell you what, I will remember you. And today you're going to be with me in paradise. I have no idea what that man did to be hanging up on that tree. I have no idea how many mistakes he made. I have no idea. But what is unknown to man is very well known to God. And God said that day, we've got a relationship. I'm going to take you to paradise.
gave her a check. And she was on a fixed income. Wasn't very much. But they announced it and nobody clapped their hands. The pastor jumped up, got the microphone. He said, there's something you don't know. I believe this lady was a widow and her husband had either been a, a very poor pastor or a missionary. They didn't have much, but she had retired to that church. And he said, this lady of God, her sacrifice for the kingdom of God is just as much a sacrifice yes. as